Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. But no, I had a crazy dream. I don't often have crazy dreams, but I had a crazy dream last night, and I've been asking what's the meaning of it. And in the dream, there were three heads of animals drying up in a tree. It was really bizarre. Um, and they were for food, and we're trying to protect them. And as we were worshiping, as Mark said, I just had a real sense that actually, that's what we quite often do with God. We think we need to save up all the kind of little scrappy bits because that's all he's going to give. Whereas actually those bits, they're not worth protecting because he's got so much more that there is, a, <laughs> there is this amazing feast. But in our minds, we're just so protective of the little we've been given that we can't receive the greatness of who he is. So, Father, we just receive your greatness this morning. And I just pray that you come and take away the limits from my mind where I've been holding on to things that are not even worth eating. And that's been stopping you from giving me so much better. Let's receive the fullness of who you are. And on that note, Father, I pray this morning... Ha, that any, any mindset that we have about what prayer looks like, ha, Father, that you would, you would take that, that what we've, what we've grown up with, what we've experienced before, Lord, and just like Mark's vision, you'd clear away and you'd bring something of a heavenly perspective on prayer this morning. Father, I pray that our minds would be willing to be transformed. <laughs> ha. God, that we'd be willing to repent and turn around and actually step in to what, what you have for us today in terms of prayer. Father, would you, would you break any misconception, any lie from the enemy that has kept us locked into something that is never what you intended? Father, would you set us free in this church to experience something of your heart towards prayer this morning? I pray in Jesus' name. <laughs> ha. For your glory, God. For your kingdom to come. Ha. For everything that you want to happen. Ha. So, so Isabel, we're going. <laughs> this is messy church. <laughs> we're going to preach with bodies on the floor. Have you got the headset on? You're going to use them. So Isabel and I are going to just carry on. She's just going to bring what we feel God said and Isabel's going to start and then I'm going to follow. <laughs> okay. Do you want to, I need a stand. I'll get it. You start. Good morning. Or Bokatov in Hebrew. And Shalom. 
complete blessing to you all. I'm going to be reading from Acts 12, 1 to 5, in the Passion Bible. During this period, King Herod incited persecution against the church, causing great harm to the believers. He even had the apostle Jacob, Jacob, the one we call James, brother of John, beheaded. When Herod realized how much this pleased the Jewish leaders, he had Peter arrested and thrown into prison during the feast of Passover. Sixteen soldiers were assigned to guard him until Herod could bring him to public trial immediately after the Passover celebrations were over. The church went into a season of intense intercession, asking God to free him. A couple of weeks ago, Lara mentioned about the miraculous release of Peter from the prison. But prior to the miracle, it says the church went into a season of intense intercession. Throughout the Bible, there have been occasions when the people of Israel were called together to pray. For instance, after the, the temple was completed, Solomon called all the people to thanksgiving prayer. After he heard of all the sins of the people, Ezra called all the people to repentance prayer. In Acts 2, we read how all the believers were devoted to teaching, fellowship, and prayer. And of course, there's Queen Esther, or to give her her Hebrew name, Hadassah, who before literally laying down her life for the sake of her nation, she called all of the Jewish people together to pray, to fast, for three days. It's not an anointing I've been led to ask for, actually. However, I do thank God that in these days, in this nation, he has caused an upsurge of people coming together to pray, which is a sure sign that God is on the move. Prayer is mentioned 132 times in the Bible. You know, God created all different ways to pray, but they all add up to the same thing, and that is coming to God, asking for his thoughts on whatever the situation is, and then asking him to give you the prayers so that we are aligned with heaven, so that we are praying the prayers of the intercessor, King Jesus. You know, in Psalm 27, it says, God takes pleasure in every prayer. The first mention of prayers in Genesis 3, when Adam and his wife were strolling through the garden in the cool of the evening, chatting away with God. Because basically, that's what prayer is. It's conversation and communication between us and God. The first mention of corporate prayer is in the next chapter, in verse 26, where it says, 
men. Men. You're not the only one with a hobby horse, Mrs. Lindsay. Men called out on the name of God. In the first verse of Acts 12, it says, during this period. So what period? What was happening? Well, in the previous chapter, it tells us that the Jewish believers were scattered because of the persecution. However, they took the gospel with them. And they took it to far-flung places, including Antioch, where Christianity was launched into its worldwide mission. There's another miracle of God. Now, moving on to verse 3, it says, Herod reached out his right hand. In other words, he used and abused his authority to persecute the church. It says some of the believers. So who were the some? Well, they actually were the leaders and the apostles. He had to imprison Peter because it was during the biblical feast of unleavened bread, which included Passover. And this is just a a bit of an aside. Unleavened bread commemorates another great miracle when God brought the entire 12 tribes of Israel out of bondage. Now, they had to leave quickly. They couldn't hang around waiting for the yeast and the bread to rise, and hence unleavened bread. And aside of an aside, yeast equates sin. So there's a Selah moment. In these verses, we see how the Herodian political spirit operates. It hides and it uses the religious spirit to do its dirty work. On her teaching, in her teaching, Emma Starr gave another example, and that was of the three men who were following the star, and they popped into Herod's palace and said, where is he, born king of the Jews? Well, Herod didn't know. In fact, he thought he was king of the Jews. But he said to them, and I just imagine, a bit like Uriah Heep with a smirk on his face, saying, Well, when you find him, let me know, so I too can go and worship him. However, you know, the Alpha and Omega knows all things and uses all things. Because through this, Mary and Joseph were told to take Jesus into Egypt, and therefore fulfilling another part of prophecy. There is nothing new under the sun. That Herodian spirit is still working with the religious spirit, to destroy those in authority, including church leaders and apostles. And this is why we need to pray for our leaders, for our our trustees, the apostles over this region, and their families. They need, in fact, indeed, they deserve our prayers, our diligent prayers, because they have been called by God. They're there to pray for us, to teach us, and to bring about God's purposes. So there's Peter, chained to a wall, fast asleep. However, the church was wide awake. 
They were standing there, united in prayer, crying out to God because Peter needed a miracle. How many people need miracles? Like that, they were crying out to God. (laughs) And we know that the the miracle followed. Because God is a warrior. He's a warrior. And he always wins a battle. And our prayers go straight into his ear. And his heart moves in compassion. And his hand moves in action. In Jesus, we pray from a position of victory. In Colossians 2.15, it says, Having disarmed all the principalities and powers of darkness, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through the victory of the cross. And that's why when we know our identity in God, when we stand in our full armor, when we take up that divine weaponry of praise, of worship, of decreeing and declaring, we are a force to be reckoned with. Oh, I'm pleased some of us are then. We're to keep our armor clean and polished. We're to keep our sword sharpened. And actually, I've got a gun. Because right from the beginning, I was told to memorize scripture. And every time I did, I just saw it as a bullet in my gun. And I use it. Sometimes I need a repeating rifle. And I use it. How many people do you reckon there are in this region that are chained to walls, kept there by the lies of Satan, facing spiritual death, who need that miracle of salvation, of healing, of the Father heart of God? How many people are there in the body of Christ, in this church, that are chained and hemmed in by the lies of Satan? It really makes my blood boil. It makes me want to weep because I used to be one of them. And I am so grateful for the healing ministries of God. And we have them in this church. And they're for everybody. We've been singing this morning all about rescuing, saving, breaking chains. And this is what our Lord and Savior wants to do for each one of us. You know, prayer not only transforms lives, it saves lives. And I just want to give a little bit of testimony because I was so blessed in this church last Sunday. And that's what we're here for, to bless one another. You know, I was down the front in my little corner and people were bringing prophetic words and it was near the end and I just thought, go over to Matt Johnson. Well, he's a canny lad and I thought, why not? So I just went over, I just laid up my hands, he took hold of them and he said, 
I wanted to come over to you, but he said, I didn't quite know how to say what I feel God wants to say. And he went silent. He did that twice. So I'm standing there thinking, Matt, don't keep me hanging here. You know, just give it. And then he said to me, he said, um, I couldn't quite hear for the music because I don't have perfect hearing. It's something like, um, was or is your son saved? And I said, yes, he's in heaven. Big sigh of relief from Matt. And he said, yeah, he said, he's with Jesus, praying for you. Now, I never, ever saw that. Because I was still in boot camp, and I started praying for my son's salvation. And it took 10 straight years. It's how I learned warfare. And yeah, okay, I know the reasons God's told me why he didn't save his physical life. But the the prayers that God gave me, which he will give to all of you, saved my son's spiritual life. And he's there with Jesus praying for me. Don't ever give up. Be persistent in prayer. I too have a dream. And that's we will step into being a house of prayer onto the nations and this region, that we would yearn, we would long to meet together to pray for the church, for whatever that God gives us to pray for, that we would cry out, Jesus, teach me how to pray. It's as simple as that. And that through our prayers, we would see the Esthers, the Debras, the Joshuas, the Daniels raised up for the present, not just the future, for now. And so my prayer is, dear God, make us so hungry to be as one in prayer. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. I just want to honor Isabel's faithfulness, her tenacity, all that she has and she's learned over the years. That, um, so Isabel, we, we honor you in this house. We thank you for going after everything that God's put on your heart, for teaching us um, how to be warriors. And uh, it's people like you that demonstrate something to people like me that, that enables me to step into all that God has. So thank you. Thank you for being a mom in this house and showing us that. We've all heard um, that incredible story in Acts 12. But I want to tell you a story about a guy called Brother Yun. Ha. Who, yes, who I've, I've met and, and sat with. And this guy found himself for the third time in prison in China, in the top security prison of China. Ha. And they, he had been so badly tortured because of, he was a Christian that they decided they would break his legs, they would crush his ankles so that he would never, ever walk again. And the church prayed and fasted for the life of Brother Yun. And one day Jesus walked into his cell and said, get up, come on. 
And he was like, he almost kind of didn't have that time to, to look and go, Jesus, uh, legs broken, excruciating pain, can't walk. He just saw Jesus in his cell. And he got up. And he got to the first security gate. And it automatically opened. And he walked past the guards. And he got to the next gate, which automatically opened. And he walked past the guards. And when he got to the fourth gate, which was the gate leading out of the prison, the gates opened in front of him. He walked out of the prison. And along came a taxi, which he got in, and he was away. This is a guy that I've sat with, that I've heard, who, who has lived that Acts 12 moment. Because I want to tell you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can read these stories in Acts, but these things are happening today. We're not talking just about spiritual prisons. We're talking about people that have experienced what that's like in that moment where Jesus meets with them and somehow, through every single impossibility, makes a way for them to be free. If you can ever read his book, it will, it will break you and change you. It's called The Heavenly Man. You see, on the day of Pentecost, or just before Pentecost, the, the disciples were meeting together. They were praying for 10 days. They had a 10-day-long prayer meeting together. And it says in my Bible, they were united in prayer. You see, I want to suggest that there's something about when we gather together to pray, that that's what brings the unity. It says they were united together in prayer with one passion, and in the Aramaic, that means one soul. You see, one of the things that we're going after in this church is what does it look like to have one heart, one mind, one voice? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like us actually coming together and praying because that's, what it, that's how God does it. He unites us together in prayer. He unites us with one passion, with one soul, so that we can, ha, with that one heart that we've got, with, with everything he's stirring within us, we, we declare with one voice, this is what God wants. In Acts 3, Peter and, and John were, were walking to the temple. And we know, don't we, the story. They meet a, a crippled man who asks for money, and they, they heal him there and then. But in the beginning of that chapter, it says Peter and John were on their way to their 3 o'clock prayer meeting. You see, there are years between Acts 1 and Acts 12. There's probably, they reckon, about 10 years on average, maybe 8 or 12 years. There's five years from Acts 1 to Acts 5. There was something that the disciples and the apostles were walking out daily that was enabling them to do all of the things that God was doing. And we get glimpses of that in passages like Acts 3, where it goes, they were on their way to pray. Something they did probably every day. Which meant that when they came to the crippled man, guess what? They didn't pray. They just said, get up. Because their lives had become a prayer. Their lives were so filled with, with heaven from spending time in that place, seated in that seat of authority that Jesus had won for them, that they were able to release the power of God in that moment. Same thing with, um, if you look at Cornelius and Peter in that encounter, look for it. It says that Cornelius was a godly man who would pray. Peter was, was on the rooftop <laughs> praying 
and he has a vision. And suddenly the whole world is changed because Peter knew he had to go up. He was hungry, it says. He went up onto the rooftop and he prayed and he fell asleep and he had a vision. I want I want us to, to get a fresh vision for the fact that, that prayer looks like encountering God and being forever changed. That he does something when we gather together that, that is so significant, that is so powerful, that why is it that the prayer meeting isn't the best attended meeting that we do? Because actually stuff happens when we pray. I want us to have an expectation for encounter. You see, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he, pr- he prayed. He showed them, this is how you pray, on earth, as it is in heaven. And then he went to the cross, and he made a way for us to step in to a relationship with God, to step through the veil that he tore from top to bottom, to step in to that heavenly realm and to, to live there, to be seated in that heavenly place, and then to begin to declare from heaven and experience heaven, and walk it out on earth. There is something so simple about prayer, but it looks like encounter. And I always think about that Exodus passage where, where the Israelites chose. They said to Moses, you tell us what God said, and we'll, we'll do it. Because actually, we're scared of that. We'll stay here, do what's right, and you go and have the relationship with God and listen to him. And something then broke the heart of God. And he had to set about a whole nother way to redeem his people. Because it's all about relationship. I don't want us to have a church where our prayer meetings are all about doing the right thing. You know, where we come to prayer meetings because we should or we ought to or, you know, they're boring and we fill them with lots of stuff. I want us to, to realize that actually that whole situation with the Israelites is flipped because of Jesus. And he's won for us a relationship with, him, with God so that we ourselves can hear from heaven. Ha! We can have a relationship with him so that we can then release on earth as it is in heaven. We become the prayer because of those encounters. You know, my son, uh, when he was about eight, was being really badly bullied at school. And uh, we, taught, we taught our kids, we raised them to, to pray wherever they go, to, to know that they can always talk to God. We prayed on the way to school, we prayed in the car, we prayed in the supermarket. It didn't matter where we were because we just talked to Jesus. He was there with us as our, as our friend. But when our son's breaking his heart about a, a boy that's bullying him at school, we led him into an encounter with Jesus. And in that moment, he sees Jesus in his classroom. And we say to him, okay, well, whereabouts in the classroom is he? And he says, he's sitting on my chair. So I'm like, okay, where are you? So he goes, sitting on his lap. And something shifted for him because he realized... That every time he walks into that classroom and sits on that chair, he's sitting on the lap of Jesus. He's sitting embraced and enfolded in the love of God in that classroom. And then Jesus said to him, okay, let's go fishing. And this little lad says to me, mom, Jesus wants to take me fishing. And I'm like, well, go. That's good. So 
so he, go, he uses his imagination. He goes to, and he describes this incredible lake and these fish that he sees and all of this. And Jesus says, throw your, your line into the, into the lake. And he, and he does, and he's like, Mom, I've caught a fish, I've caught a fish. And so he's pulling this thing out. And then he goes, suddenly he stops. And he goes, it's not a fish. And I'm like, what is it? And he goes, it's a person. And it's a person who doesn't know God. And they can see on their face that, that they're really struggling and that they're really angry and they're really bitter and it's all, their face is all mangled. This is an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> and he says, then this face turned to Jesus and everything changed. And they encountered God's love. You see, something about encountering and teaching our kids that they get to step into those heavenly realms to go fishing with Jesus changes everything for them because they realize when they come across someone who actually maybe scares them because of what they're, they're going through and, and the, the pain and the anger that they've got, Dan knows that Jesus has taught him to help that, that, that person look to Jesus for them to encounter God's love. He grows up with an expectation that Jesus loves to lead him to those sorts of people and help him to lead them into encounter. Those encounters change everything. And the more time we spend in heaven, realizing that when we're praying daily, when we're, when we're walking it out, we're being filled with his love. We're being filled with his generosity. We're encountering what it looks like when Jesus... When, when Jesus shows us what his hope, his living hope, looks like in every situation that we bring to him. I think that some of the things that bind us are lies from the enemy. They're set to disqualify us. Or other people like Isabel pray. It's a lie. You were born for a relationship with God. You were born to encounter him, to hear his voice. There is no disqualification for anyone <laughs> when it comes to, to prayer. Arise and shine, church, because you were born to encounter God. Amen. I think one of the lies, that, or, and what happens sometimes is we become disheartened in prayer. But just like Isabel said, we need to be people that persevere. We need to be persistent in our prayer. Persistent prayer changes everything. Because guess what? The enemy doesn't know how to to withstand. He doesn't know how to stay the distance, and we do, because we have the Holy Spirit prompting us and getting us to carry on. I, I haven't got time to tell you this, but go and watch the Billy Graham thing on Netflix if you've got Netflix. Oh my goodness, it wrecked me the other night when I watched it. Again, somebody who I've I've grown up with, he's right there, and I'm watching the effect that he's had on the world. But one of the situations um, that you see, again, in terms of prayer, he goes into a stadium in Moscow in 1959, and he can see it's behind the Iron Curtain, and he's sitting in this empty stadium, and he's praying. And God is breaking his heart for those people that are living under communism. Behind the Iron Curtain, God is breaking his heart, and he's praying, God, send me here. I will preach the gospel to these people. And he waits for 23 years before he gets an invitation to go and speak to all of those leaders in Moscow, in, in Russia. And, he, and he's on the airplane home and he goes, do you know what, that might be the, the last time I ever preach the gospel. Because he knows he's going back to America who completely 
disagree with the fact that he went. God opened a door for him. He knew it was God's will. He went. But actually, he was facing absolute condemnation from the church and from politics because he'd gone and preached the gospel there to those leaders. And then 10 years later, you see him back in a stadium. The stadium is packed full of people, and he's preaching the gospel in that country. Now, I'm telling you, that's what persistent prayer does. That's what it looks like when, we, when God breaks our heart and goes, pray for these people. And then you walk it out. And finally, ha, the enemy wants to disempower us. And actually, we pray from victory, not for victory. If you partner your, your, your lives with a religious spirit that says prayer meetings are boring, and then guess what? There's no unity. And actually it creates a, a division because, because they, they're sitting over here not coming to the prayer meeting with a different vision to the one that they were getting in the prayer meeting and suddenly there's division. There is something about understanding the privilege of relationship that God speaks to us and knowing that we are seated in heavenly realms, co-heirs with Jesus, welcomed through that veil to sit in a place of authority that God has given us, co-heirs with Jesus. It's time to see those that are in prison, whatever that looks like, broken free. Whether that's us personally and our own situations or whether that's uh, like neighborhoods and uh, and communities and situations that we're facing where it looks hopeless, where it looks like our legs have been crushed or their legs have been crushed and they'll never walk again. Guess what? Jesus, through prayer, steps in and says, come on, get up. We're going to break out of a top security prison in China. I, I want to do something that I've never done before. <laughs> I want us to, to step into an encounter with him, and I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna play the piano, to do that. Which anybody that knows me and loves me knows that this isn't something I do, but I just feel like there's a sound that heaven wants to release, that actually doesn't matter. <laughs> this is what he's asked me to do. And faith looks like risk. So I'm going to take a risk because my faith says to me that Jesus has won an encounter for all of us today. Through the blood of Jesus, through what he's done on that cross, and through defeating the enemy and rising again <laughs> and tearing the, the curtain in two. From top to bottom, he has made a way for us to step in to those heavenly places, for us to, to experience uh, the love of the Father. Uh, so I'm going to take a risk. Let's do it. Jesus, we, we look and we see 
situations in our own lives and in the lives of those around us that seem seem hopeless, they seem discouraged, God, they seem like there's no, there's no way forward. With that awareness, Lord, we, we step through that veil, that heavenly veil that you tore, ha, We step through that veil and we see you there <laughs> in all your glory, in all your splendor, in all your beauty. And we ask you, Jesus, what, what lie are we believing in that hopeless situation? lie are we believing? And we choose in this moment, God, to lay down those lies. Instead to focus on what you say is true.
we change our mind in terms of prayer being dull, prayer being boring, prayer being something that's for someone else. And we choose in this moment, God, to take what you give us and to release it like happy intercessors, (laughs) knowing that we're praying from victory, knowing that you've already made a way, knowing that with you everything is possible. So we look again at that hopeless situation and we release the key that you've given us, God. And we say breakthrough. (laughs) Breakthrough is coming. It's time for freedom. It's time for joy. It's time to step in. (laughs) It's time for you to be released from prison. say make us as a church people of encounter where it becomes our normal God to step in comes our normal to see what it is that heaven's saying it becomes our normal to release all that you give us God onto the earth God where we so experience heaven that everywhere we go God we become the prayer we become <laughs> we become the prayer to the crippled man God God, come everywhere we go. Everything that you want to happen, God, let heaven come. And bind us together, God, in unity. In unity, with one vision, with one heart, with one soul that learns to speak with one voice, God, what heaven's declaring, what heaven's declaring over this region.